0: Hello and welcome to the show. Today I'm going to summarize the 2020 Healthcare Buyer's Guide. One of the biggest problems we face is detaching the notion that coverage equals care. Just because you have coverage doesn't mean you have care. And it helps defining them for conversations, clarity. Care is the delivery of medical goods and services. Coverage is paying for them. One picture helps define these two things. Two simple triangles illustrate them and provide a proper perspective, too. Think of a triangle separated into three sections. Bottom, middle, and top. The bottom equals primary care. The middle is specialty care. And the top is catastrophic. Here's the breakdown from episode one. Primary care is general health issues, mental health, medical questions, routine tests, checkups, and even many pre-existing and chronic care illnesses fit here. A surprising amount of urgent care needs, too. In our lifetime, about 80 to 85 percent of all of our health care is primary care. Primary care physicians connect our medical dots, or at least they're supposed to. All great care is built on primary care's foundation, assuming it's designed right to enable comprehensive care. Specialty care is where specialist practice and advanced diagnostic solutions reside. Specialized treatments, medications, and elements of urgent care not requiring emergency or inpatient care are here too. If the system is designed right, the need for these goods and services are reduced funny thing, it lowers overall health care spending. Catastrophic care includes what it sounds like, visiting a hospital for emergency care such as accidents, trauma, heart attacks, stroke, or inpatient care such as cancer treatments and post-stroke rehabilitation, taking months to relearn how to walk and talk. They are truly extraordinary medical events for most people. What's most important here is knowing that ideally most of the care we receive in our entire lifetime falls into primary care. If done correctly, primary care handles most chronic care conditions too. Logic says you need to know the attributes of comprehensive primary care, hence this guide. The inverted triangle shows how primary care doesn't have to cost a lot of money either. Ideally, it should be that way, a nice low-cost tip on the bottom. There are several reasons why, but the picture puts things into proper perspective. Here's what America has right now, a bloated primary care system reflected in its cost with a much wider bottom, not a nice pointed tip. Our system drives more patients upward into the most costly care levels. Super-users dramatically illustrate this. They're often cited for the high cost of our system. 5% of Americans consume 50% of the total spent. They have one or more chronic diseases requiring frequent trips to specialists and hospitals. Some stay for extended periods of time. And when you dig deeper into what's driving this, you'll find the lack of primary care is almost always mentioned as a key driver. However, as you read how people are solving this problem, you'll find that kind of primary care is impossible with today's system. A big part of the superuser solution is comprehensive primary care. As the author of Fixing the Primary Care Crisis, Dr. Stephen Schimpf, told me in Episode 1, most people don't know what that is. They've never had it. In this case, our ignorance is expensive, to the tune of $3.6 trillion. Within that 5% group, there are some rare diseases requiring long-term care. They also tend to be heartbreaking cases, too. Compassionate care for them is something we can agree on, to help. Logically, any new plan must address those chronic care patients' primary care issues, dropping more of them down from the expense of two upper levels into lower-cost, better primary care. And just like that, They get better care for a lot less money. Now there's a question. Exactly how will any new plan, how will it do that? The secret? You got to get primary care right. It must enable comprehensive primary care. This pandemic provides a real world lesson. When something bad happens, ask yourself what's good about it. Well, right now, there's more focus on primary care, or the lack of it. In the U.S., people are seeking the big picture because they can't reach their doctor in a timely manner, assuming they have a primary care doctor to begin with. Many turn to social media, Dr. Google, and the MSM to get answers. It spotlights what's missing, fast and and easy access to their personal doctor's wisdom. In a pandemic, it's helpful on many levels. Reassurance, for one thing. Do I take the medicine being mentioned on TV or not? Is it right for me? Quarantines and isolation awareness are showcasing telemedicine's value of timely and easy access for questions about symptoms. Doctors can do a lot over the phone. If you could reach them, here's Dr. Creighton Shute shoot of elite DPC in Lafayette, Louisiana. That's, that's compelling stuff. I mean, it really, not to is. mention
1: the access. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of oil field related businesses here in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. This is kind of, uh, the epicenter or used to be the epicenter of, of, um, oil production in the Gulf of Mexico. And, and so a lot of those people are, are now going off to, you know, all parts of the world, um, during their time where they're, you know, working with these companies and I, you actually, you can see it right there in the picture, but we have a map that we keep in the clinic and I put little push pins in it from little places, any place outside of Lafayette or outside of the local area that someone has called us. Uh, and I've been able to talk with them. You mentioned coronavirus and two days ago, we beat our record at Korea is about right there on the map and we, we were able to talk to one of our patients who was in Korea working at a BP plant. Uh, and they had a coronavirus scare. And so I talked with him for 20 minutes about you know, what he should do to protect himself and and kind of reassuring him a little
0: bit. We focus on care's upper two levels, specialty and catastrophic. In fact, the U.S. leads the world in the number of ICU beds. But the rest of the developed world is focused on primary care and less on specialists. Their ratio of primary care to specialists is 70 to 30. The U.S. is reversed, about 35 to 65. It's logical their costs are far lower than ours. Most of their care is handled in the low-cost space. We don't, and our costs are far higher. This pandemic also shows the need for a focal point for all care, ideally a primary care doctor who knows you very well. And if they knew you needed more hand-holding, they'd reach out to you before you call them. Unless you think that doesn't happen, I can assure you it does. Those docs aren't in the current system, though, and boy, are they ever glad they got out. Any new system we create must enable that focal point. If it doesn't specifically say so, ask, where is it? How does the plan enable it? If they are the focal point, that enables another important attribute of great primary care continuity of care? Who's managing the entire process? Who can provide those important small details to an emergency department doc when you can't? Who is your care quarterback? Who's managing your care? Tailor those questions for your next town hall. Here's Dr. Paul Thomas of Plum Health in Detroit on this very subject. And who's the focal point for care, the continuity of care? And, mm-hmm. and so what, are they, what else are they missing by not having you as, a, as a, their primary care physician? Well, I think it just comes down to a relationship and the continuity of care, like you mentioned, and having a trusted physician in your back pocket. You know, you may need to come in once or twice a year for your annual physical or a cough or cold. But you know, if something goes wrong, you cut yourself or there's a more major concern, you would like to have a doctor who knows your history really well, mm-hmm. who can use all that information, all that past knowledge to give you the best care going forward. A lot of people are going to the urgent care in their hour of greatest need and seeing a PA or an NP or a doctor, hopefully that they've never seen before, right? So, In in your hour of greatest need, you're going to someone you've never met before and hoping that they'll give you the best care possible. But for comprehensive primary care to work, doctors need two vital non-negotiable things. Time to listen to you and time to think about all your medical dots. Here's Dr. Shu. So you're dealing with a lot more and you need more thinking time too. Uh, am I wrong?
1: <laughs> no, I mean you're right. The complexities today require that we we spend a lot more time researching and and thinking about how we're treating our patients. And you know, God bless the the internet and the speed of access to information today, because I can't imagine um, you know uh, I can't imagine trying to sift through all of this just through books and things. But um, you know, I, I'm sorry to. Kind of double back on what you said a second ago. But it's interesting because I started thinking about the fact that um, not only is this slow medicine in that when I'm in the clinic, I can slow down and take time with my patients. And before and after visits, I can take time thinking about, you know, what we talked about or what we're going to talk about. But, um, but there's also a lot of speed in what we do because that same sales force that you were talking about, when they have problems on the road, they have direct access to me. They call me directly on the cell phone.
0: Any new plan must address more patient time and more thinking time. Where will the new plan enable it? How? And don't take political pablum for an answer. Push loudly. Lives will depend on it, perhaps even your own. So time is a vital component. And what's driving that need? Think of it this way. 50 or 60 years ago, There were just two pegs going into two holes, one round and one square, male and female. Now we have personalized medicine, which is driven by our genome, gut microbiome, our diet, our exercise, our environment, where we live, work, and play, and how we do those things. Mostly genome is driving this. On July 26, 2000, we knew we could do it. It could be done. And that changed everything. We could sequence it. But it took time, though. It's only in the last year or so that genome sequencing reached primary care. It's down to about $200 or so. And that's far more affordable than the $75,000 when Obamacare was enacted. America has 329 million people and unique pegs. Yes, they share a resemblance as they retain the square and round shapes. We're human after all. But variables create little nooks, crannies, and jagged, irregular edges. Each peg needs its own precise hole now. Medicine is personal. It's not just business. Yet some are still stuck in the last century proposing solutions designed for medicine's two-peg era. Medicare for all is one example. It's all about coverage. But that's not surprising, given that politicians are required by our Constitution to think for all. Governments don't do personalization. When they do, indictments tend to follow. So centralized health care is a one-size-fits-all system. Again, picture a politician using a sledgehammer to slam those personalized pegs into one of two holes. But there's a far bigger problem, too. Personalized care means more information about you winds up in primary care health records. All your data down to your DNA You may have a clean health record, no issues at all, but millions of Americans do. Rapes, mental illness, abortions, adoptions, lapses in judgment on spring break. But for many Americans, these details are only known to their physicians and maybe a close friend or a family member. What happens if the details are published online, or just the threat made while asking for hush money? Do we really want our country going there? Courtesy of HIPAA, our government already has deep insights into our personal health. They are doing surveillance of electronic health records without patient authorization. It's all in the Federal Register. One reason for this privacy invasion is the need for government to audit physicians. Does their diagnosis and treatment plan match the reason for the office visit? Their reimbursements must line up to prevent fraud. The GAO would have kittens if there were no audits. Medicare and Medicaid patients are the ones who've lost most of the privacy. Medicare for All, or the functional equivalent, will require more audits. The bottom line, the more exam rooms the government is allowed into, the more privacy we lose. And that means we can no longer trust our physicians to do what they've been doing for over 2,400 years. They keep their mouths shut about their patients. But it's not their fault. Blame the system. Ask about privacy in the next town hall you attend. How will the proposed plan kick government out of the exam room? Ah, but Hunter, you ask, what's the best solution to all this? Well, there is one solution, and it's already working. And with the required attributes of comprehensive primary care, it provides timely and easy access, patient time and thinking time personalized, extremely private care, and it's the focal point for all care needs. That it does so with a low monthly price is almost a miracle, but it's not. It's simply the product of thinking different about delivering and paying for great primary care. And without getting primary care right, the rest is a waste of time. We'll have more of the same. It's called direct primary care. And it's incredibly simple. Here's Dr. Amy Ostick from Health and Healing DPC in LA.
2: Yeah, I think um I, I basically tell people it's really a throwback, you know, to to how we used to, to care for patients 30, 50, 30, 40 years ago, where the patient-doctor relationship is really back at the forefront of what's important in the office. I mean, the office is now run basically on, on the the priority is the patient and our relationship. And so um, the it's really the payment model that's different. The payment model is the patient or their employee or their employer sometimes, but most of the time the patient will pay a monthly fee um, to be a part of a practice. And the practice then now is accountable to the patient, right? And we don't take any insurance. So we are we are no longer accountable to any third party payers. We don't have to do any sort of referral systems or go through any prior auths usually and so we just, just we can practice medicine in its purest form which is doing what's best for the patient mm-hmm.
0: so no insurance no government no copays no prior authorizations for most care it's well worth exploring one monthly fee covers the bulk of your care and you'd be amazed at what that means and not just cost savings But those are staggering. Nationally, the average individual membership price is $77 per month. That's $924 per year for comprehensive primary care. The price for 329 million Americans? A little over $300 billion per year. Recall those super users. You see how thinking different helps? Steve Jobs would be quite proud. My secret time saver when it comes to evaluating any new proposal? If it isn't based on DPC, I automatically eliminate it. It's that simple. And yes, it occurred to me that I could have said that right at the beginning. But the reality is you must go through a process of unpacking what you know and assessing What's different? I had to go through that. And you need to compare it to what ought to be. Then and only then does DPC's profound impact really hit home. I've really enjoyed listening to DPC docs explain how they love practicing medicine again. You could hear it in their voices. I'm sure you're like me and you want a doctor that loves what they do. As this pandemic unfolds, I'm thinking about and praying for the health and welfare of those on the front lines. And I'd add there are two more besides our doctors, nurses, physician assistants, and nurse practitioners. Without them showing up, the whole shooting match goes bye-bye. House cleaning and orderlies. No clean rooms and no patient logistics. I have a link in the description to an article I found about this very thing. So wash your hands, a lot, keep your distance, and most of all, try to keep looking up. We'll get through this. A lot of brilliant minds are laser-focused on solutions right now. Thanks for joining me today, and I'll see you next week. And there you are.